0: so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Amen. Now, the reason why I've read you the scripture is because over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about this spiritual armor and weaponry that all believers should have available to them in this crazy spiritual battlefield that is the world we live in. The aim of this series is to demystify and make the armor and weapons that God has provided for us simple to understand, and quite frankly, easier to use. I'm Jaden, and I'm going to be your guide as we equip ourselves for the coming victory. Welcome to God's Armory. Hello, welcome back. You are here on the Reconnect podcast, and it's fantastic to have you here. My name is Jaden, and if you've been listening to our podcast for the past few months, you'll know that I'm still relatively new around here. It hasn't been my voice the whole time, but nonetheless, I'm loving it here. I'm feeling comfortable. I've really enjoyed being able to go through these topics with you, and I hope that Uh, you've been able to enjoy it as well. And so, as you know, we've been going through the series, the armory of God, God's armory, the weapons, the gear, the suits, the clothes, everything that God has given us to be able to be prepared in a spiritual war. And so, last episode, we were talking about the footwear, which is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. But today, we're going to move on to the next item. And before we introduce that topic... I want to talk about Romans 10. Now you might be thinking, okay, that's a bit out of nowhere, why Romans 10? Well, Romans 10 talks a bit about how people get to hear this gospel. And it's a verse that we'll be returning to later in the episode. Um, So let's quickly go read it before we introduce today's topic. But quickly before we do that, remember that just believing that Jesus is a great teacher Without knowing that he's the living, breathing fulfillment of God's promises and prophecies in the Old Testament, well, it kind of robs the gospel of a lot of its power, right? There are many wonderful teachers with really good ideas, great messages in the world, in the past and even still today. But the thing that makes Jesus different as a great teacher, more than just a great teacher, is that he is the fulfillment of God's promises, Right? Not, not a promise that was made a day ago, two, two days ago, a week ago. Promises that were made hundreds, even thousands of years in advance. This means that Jesus is a piece of physical evidence that God is there. A God whom none of us can see or touch. Actually, in the Old Testament it says is that if you see God, even if you hear His voice, you feel like you're going to die. A God that many people are constantly asking to reveal Himself clearly Well, in the fulfillment of his promises, he does reveal himself clearly. And when he does that, this is good news. That's why it is a gospel, because it means we can be certain that our Creator is going to fulfill the rest of his promises as well. And if you are familiar with the rest of God's promises, then you will certainly be filled with hope for what God is wanting to do, what God is wanting to finish all through the promises he's made through the Bible. Now, if we just acknowledge Jesus as a wonderful teacher who did good things like healing people, feeding the hungry, preaching a message of compassion and acceptance, we're reducing him to little more than a guru, when in fact he is the Word of God. The Word of God made flesh. The promises and prophecies that were recorded centuries earlier That is, he is the fulfillment of those promises. He is the sign, just like the name that was given him in Isaiah 7 verse 14, that God is with us even though we might have a hard time believing that. If we are certain of that, and I mean really certain, wouldn't we be absolutely ready to act on the promises God has made for his future plans as well? Let's go have a look at how Paul, the author of Romans, writes about how the news of the gospel should be spread, right? And so this is coming back to where I said we're going to read from Romans 10, (laughs) okay? And we're going to read Romans 10, starting from verse 11. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Now we often end the reading here, right? <laughs> which, which of us has not heard that final quotation at the end of outreaches, youth meetings, almost every altar call. But Paul actually continues. He goes on. And this part is really important. I'll keep reading. How then... Can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news! But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed our message. Consequently, faith comes from hearing Message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Amen. So, first of all, I just want to point out why the final sentence of this passage begins with the word consequently. Paul explains that people need to hear the message of the gospel, the good news, in order to be able to call on the name of the Lord. However, not all of the Israelites heard and believed. The Israelites were the people who had heard and believed all the writings of the Old Testament. They had heard and believed in the promises of God, but without the good news of how those promises were fulfilled, they were unable to call on the name of the Lord as was mentioned earlier. When Paul tells us that the message is heard through the word of Christ, we need to ask what word that is exactly. Remember how Philip introduced Jesus to Nathanael in John chapter one? John chapter 1 verse 45 says Philip found Nathanael and told him we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Well that is also how Jesus introduced himself. There are way too many verses to go into depth here but in John chapter 5 Jesus makes it clear that nobody should simply believe in him because he claims to be somebody. People should believe in him because of the word of God. The promises they had already written in their own scriptures testified about him. Luke 24 verse 44 to 45 tells us that even after his resurrection, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, he continued to teach them in this way. Isn't that that incredible? Think about it. If you saw somebody resurrect from the dead, wouldn't you just believe anything they said anyway? But not in this case, Jesus made it clear that the only good reason anyone had for believing in Him was because of God's words and promises. In fact, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said Christ died, Christ resurrected, all according to the Scriptures. They weren't just believing it because it was some irrelevant supernatural event, but it was something that God had promised beforehand. That's what gives it its real power. So, coming back to our verse in Romans 10, we read from verse 11 to 17, Paul is telling us that in order to be able to call on the name of the Lord, we need to have received and understood the message that God is sending us through Jesus. In an earlier episode of our podcast, we likened Jesus to a Valentine's Day letter from God. In a Valentine's Day letter or card, it is the message that is important. In the same way, it is the words of Jesus, the words that God gave him to give to us, that are important for us. This is because God and his word are one. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm sure we're so familiar with this scripture now in John chapter 1 verse 1. When we are equipped with this understanding of God's word, we really are wearing spiritual shoes that enable us to be ready to act out our faith at the right time, rather than just keeping it in our heads or hearts as a collection of ideas. This is very important because today we are talking about faith. That's why we read Romans 10. Right? I said we're, Romans, we're reading Romans 10 because it's about uh, our topic today, which is about faith. The next item in the spiritual armory that God has given to us is the shield shield of faith so what is faith and why is it a shield Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one amen right faith is like a shield because it protects us that's what a shield does it protects you so faith is like a shield because it protects us from the flaming arrows of the evil one Today, we're gonna focus on the shield of faith because there's a lot to unpack in this idea. We will come back to examining the flaming arrows of the evil one when we look at the sword of the spirit, mentioned just a little later on in Ephesians 6, because it will be really helpful to look at the spiritual weapons that God gives us and compare it to the weapons that the enemy is using against us. For now, let's focus on the shield of faith and add it to our collection of the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, and the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let's, let's get used to having these on, right? Let's make sure that we do have these on. And if you're thinking that, man, I've listened to these episodes, but I still feel so lacking in the word, please contact us. We can surely arrange for you to meet someone to be able to teach you these things in more depth and more detail. We have many lessons and studies available, so please Don't be afraid to get in touch and we can learn the word together. So anyway, back to the topic at hand. Of course, whenever somebody asks the question, what is faith? One verse in particular probably leaps to mind. The famous faith chapter. Do you know it? Is it coming to your mind straight away? (laughs) Maybe, maybe there's a lot of verses, scriptures coming to your mind. But Hebrews 11, really known as the famous faith chapter. And let's go there. Hebrews 11 verse 1, it gives the definition of faith. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Amen. You might have heard that one a million times now, but perhaps in light of what we've been looking at recently, you can appreciate what it is really telling us. So let's unpack it a little bit. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. According to Romans 10, verse 17, which we read earlier, faith comes by hearing the message, hearing the word of Christ. That is the news of God's fulfillment, God's promises becoming a reality. And as believers, our hope is tied up with God's plan. We hope that we can be reconnected with God and live with Him in His perfect creation, just like God intended for us in the beginning. We hope that God will keep all his promises and that the awesome promises of no more death, mourning, crying or pain in Revelation 21 will also be fulfilled and that we will be able to live eternally with God. That, that is our ultimate hope as believers. And since we've received the word of Jesus and have believed that God fulfilled his promises in the past, we can be sure that he will do the same with the promises in the New Testament too. As a result, we can be sure of what we hope for. Faith is also being certain of what we do not see yet. (laughs) I add the yet in there because we have the certainty that God will fulfill his promises. We also have the record of what those promises are. So while we cannot see the fulfillment of those things right now, we know that God is working to fulfill them and that they will appear, just like Jesus did when the time was right. When they do appear, will we be ready to recognize them? That is a question we need to constantly ask ourselves because just like at the time of the first coming, not all the people who consider themselves believers today are going to be able to or want to accept it when God comes along and reveals what He has been doing while we have not been able to see Him. So faith is knowing how God has changed things in the past And that things may change again in the future. Although we cannot see exactly how at this moment. When those things happen, will we have the faith to meet God where he is? Or will we stubbornly cling on to what we have been able to see all along? Our traditions and established understandings instead of receiving the word that's been made flesh. So Hebrews 11 verse 1 defines faith in precisely the same way as we have come to understand it through both the ministry of Jesus and other elements of our spiritual armour. But that is not the end of the chapter. You can read on for yourself, but you'll see that very soon, the author of Hebrews, often assumed to be Apostle Paul, but we're not actually sure, launches into a litany of examples of faith. These examples are so interesting because at their core, they contradict something that we have assimilated into our modern definition of faith. In every one of the examples of people who had faith, the author of Hebrews is listing actions, not personal beliefs. Do you see that? For example, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family, By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Or, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Or, related to what we spoke about last episode, By faith, Moses, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Every one of the people who are commended for faith did something. The faith was not simply just a personal belief that they held, right? that they held sacred in their hearts and didn't discuss over extended family dinners or in public. It was something that motivated their actions. The book of James has quite a bit to say about faith too. We've already mentioned it. A few times on this podcast before, about how in James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham, because of his faith, is the only person in the Bible who is called God's friend. <laughs> what an awesome title, right? But notice that there too, it is not just because of his personal beliefs, right? His personal f- faith, what we might understand as modern faith. But the reason Abraham is called God's friend is because he acted he did something, he demonstrated his faith, just like a friend would do, according to James 2. If your friend said that they would meet you at a specific time, in a specific place, and if you trusted or had faith in your friend, you would act accordingly and be there at that time and place, right? Being on time or acting according to the arrangements you have made with your friends demonstrates that you trust them, you respect them, and it's the same with us and God. Specifically today, when we consider our shield of faith and its relationship to our deeds, let's take a look at James 2 verse 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Amen. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Pretty strong words, huh? But this is a key part of our shield of faith. It is how we can know whether our shield is functional. I think this is a great place to bring up an age-old conflict that goes back to the heart of many denominational splits in Christianity. Are we saved by faith alone or by actions? I'm sure you've seen many movies in which a character close to their death calls for a priest. (laughs) Such practices are based on the idea that our salvation is through faith alone. The idea is that simply confessing sins or accepting Jesus into our hearts is the be-all and end-all of our faith. Now, I'm not the judge. I'm in no position to say what God will or will not accept. But I can tell you that the Bible tells us that we are saved by our faith. But that faith alone by itself without action is dead. And what good is dead faith to anyone? We'll come back to this later on. But for now, I don't want us to get too hung up on whether I am teaching salvation through deeds or faith. It isn't one or the other. The two work together in our lives of faith and ultimately our salvation is determined by what we do with these things. Of course, you know we will be talking about this more in detail soon because next up is the helmet of salvation after this, right? If you've you've been reading ahead. But coming back to faith, It is so important that you and I are able to check up on our faith. If we catch ourselves professing faith, but then notice that our actions are often running contrary to what they should be, we can immediately guess that something is up somewhere. I'm gonna give you a hint about what might be the matter, but we don't have time to go into too much detail today. We're saving this for when we talk about the sword of spirit and spiritual weapons. Often when our actions and profession of faith do not align, it's because we have misunderstood something. You see, the word of God, the message of Christ is like a seed. This is all according to Matthew 13 and Luke 8. When we plant a seed, a plant will grow and eventually produce more of the same seeds of which we initially planted. One doesn't plant apple seeds and get peach trees, right? the same with our faith. If faith grows within us like a seed and produces actions like we read about in Hebrews 11, James 2, as if they were its fruit, then when other fruit appears, it's usually because there is some other kind of seed, that is some other kind of word planted in our hearts too. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he told the parable of the four fields in Matthew 13. Now, we've come pretty far. While well, we still need to answer one or two important questions before we can wrap up for today. How can this kind of faith put out flaming arrows? And what do the seeds and farming parables I just mentioned have to do with any of this? Without giving too much away, I'll just briefly mention that the whole reason I brought up the seeds and farming parables of Jesus is because they are related to the flaming arrows of the evil one and the discernment we've previously spoken about from Hebrews five. If our shield of faith is fully functional, and if we are using it correctly, we are able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. That means we will not be hurt by them. We will not be affected by the evil one's attacks. Now we're going to look at this in the future, like I said, but remember God, God's spirit, And his word are all one and the same. The same is true for Satan, God's enemy, and his word. This is a spiritual war. It is fought with spiritual weapons. And these weapons are the seeds or words that are sown in our hearts, which grow there and then in time produce fruit in our lives. The weapon God gives us is his word. And the weapon the enemy uses against us is his word. His lies. In order to be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy, we need to understand God's word and be able to use it to discern what is good and what is evil. That way, we are able to recognize what is coming from God and what is not. When we're able to do that, no seed that produces the wrong kind of spiritual fruit, the wrong kind of actions, will be able to grow in our hearts. For now, if you want to find ways to get your own faith and actions more aligned without the pressure and fear of judgment of others, and certainly not for the purpose of being able to brag about how great you are or how big your faith is, please reach out to us. Like we've said many times, if you are wanting to understand the word more deeply, please reach out to us and we can certainly set you up with this study to be able to go through all these things in detail. The Bible tells us that all of us, that is all people, are given a measure of faith from God. It tells us that faith is a gift from God. Let's go look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Amen. This is one of those verses that is often used to try soften the blows to our consciences, dealt by verses like James 2, <laughs> like James 2's reminder that we must have actions, not just faith. But imagining that there is a conflict between these two verses stems from a misunderstanding. In this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and is reminding them that nobody's faith is greater than anybody else's. He's reminding them that each of them needs to humbly attend to their own lives of faith instead of trying to gain some kind of status or recognition for how great they are. We cannot boast about how much we do or how much faith we have because we are not the ultimate judges of such things. That belongs to God. It is possible to believe in Jesus for the wrong reasons. Many people did that in John chapter six. They followed him because he did miracles. But when it came to actually believing his words and following him, they turned away and went back to their own life. This shows us that it is possible to have all the right actions and to do things, to do good things, without faith. Therefore, we cannot rely on these works alone. We need to have the correct understanding and faith as a foundation for them. That kind of faith, the faith that can serve as a foundation for our lives and works, That is a gift from God. I'm sure that we all know people who seem to be able to trust more easily than others, right? Well, it's the same for us in God. Some of us are able to trust God more easily than others for whatever reason. Judging ourselves or others for how much faith we do or do not have is just pure silliness. (laughs) No believer should ever engage in that. Just don't do it. If you hear others doing it, just move on without taking it too seriously. Our concern should never be with how much faith we have right now. It should be with how can I grow my own faith. So how can we grow our faith? The first step is to pray and ask God to help us by giving us more faith. But in order to get faith, we need to really receive and understand the word of Christ, right? That's why we started off today with Romans 10. The really good news is that you are receiving them right now as you listen to this podcast. And there is more available. We have one-to-one studies all over the world as well as group study sessions available in every time zone, online as well as offline. So if you really want to grow your faith, please contact us. Growing your faith in the correct way automatically leads to actions. In the same way that planting and caring for a specific type of seed will ultimately lead to the harvest of that specific type of crop. And just like in that image, creating the fruit is not accomplished by our effort. Nor can we ever boast in the fruit. Our effort is simply tending to the ground and seed as it grows. We can't say that we are the one that made the tree grow. Did we design the tree? Did we make the tree? Of course, the tree grows by itself. We were just tending to it. The rest is done by God, and when it is done, we can look at it and see that which was not seen but now is. This is the faith that can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and we will talk more about those in just a bit. It's been really wonderful to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for joining as we looked at the armory of God in Ephesians 6. This is not the end. But this is our look into the shield of faith. Let's really learn to pick up that shield of faith, understand where our faith is based in, and be those who are victorious in the spiritual war. Until next time, you've been here on the Reconnect podcast. My name is Jaden, and I can't wait to see you next time as we continue putting on this armor of God.